Did the uh, air stop? Yeah. Yep. Good. All the air, all the oxygen has stopped. Oh, shit. Well, (laughs) welcome to the final episode of Bad Heroes. (laughs) Previously on Bad Heroes. You all stand in this clearing beside your tent and your fire, facing a circle of half-melted, shattered ice and five werewolves. I don't think we did full introductions. My esteemed company is Harlow, Solus, Rora, and Orland. We're the guardians. We protect the pack, and we protect Sosalia. I hope you understand that I can't exactly leave you unattended, so you can sleep here, and we can watch you, or you can come back to camp. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I not. I don't mean in like a... Hey, look, pack, packs, I'm into it. Whatever you meant by that, I'm into oh. it. <laughs> so you guys pack up camp, get the tent all in his bag, and get ready to head out. Pax leads you back to the tree that's at the end of the trail from Sosalia. Gideon looks at the tree and says, yeah, I'm not doing that. For everything you've overcome, you're going to get stopped by a tree. I literally have noodles for arms. (laughs) Connor starts sprouting a beanstalk underneath her, (laughs) rappelling her up toward the path of the tree. And you see through the treetops a zipline. Riva screaming the whole way down. (laughs) You walk along this path and leaves crunch under your feet. The moon, one night shy of full, glows down at you. You want the short explanation of where I'm taking you or you want the long one? Any information that you're willing to provide us, we'd be very thankful for it. Well, short explanation. It's a werewolf sanctuary. And they pull aside a veil of living vines to reveal a little village. And they say, welcome to camp. has just led you into the heart of Sanguine Silvis, through beautiful, if not eerie, red and orange woods. And before you, Pax has parted a veil of vines to reveal the werewolf village, tucked away among the trees. Conrad looks past the veil and feels a sense of... Mm, Conrad feels a sense of memory, having had his own home within those woods. So he, at that very moment, to those who are looking, may look a little wistful as he looks in and then steps through to go to camp. I think Iria kind of looks in and kind of takes it all in and and she's like, oh, wow, it actually is pretty cozy looking. Tonrir, as he's stepping through, cocks his head just a little bit and says, wait, born with it? Yeah. We've only had it happen a couple times, but if your parents had it, then you can have it too. It's contagious through blood, so it adds up. Tonrir nods a bit at that, looking a bit surprised, and then turns back forward. He calls Ruothawine down to perch on his shoulder as he continues making his way into camp. Reva follows along. She's just looking around. Iria follows too. Give us the exposition. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what you guys see is a large fire in a stone ring burning merrily at the center of camp, surrounded by log seats and cooking pots. Six or so people look up as you enter the camp from their place at the fire, and a whisper ripples through the group. The long-term structures here are like nothing you've ever seen. 
They are little circular homes formed out of living birch trees, cultivated in tight rings. The walls are made from vines growing and wrapped between the tree trunks. There are a few tents here and there and hammocks strung up between freestanding maple trees. And Pax says, All right, please stay in my sight at all times and please don't do anything shady. <laughs> and they look at Riva. Riva looks at Pax very innocently <laughs> and like kind of gives a shrug like, what? <laughs> I'm going out on a limb here trusting you. I hope it's not misguided. Is there like anybody walking around or like, do are we getting any weird looks or anything? You're definitely getting weird looks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The adults in the camp look absolutely shocked to see you. And Pax actually like waves at a few of them to let them know it's okay. But yeah, for sure. Some people look like the adults look really uncomfortable. How long does it take to build all of this? He says that with a like a small amount of astonishment in his voice looking at all of these buildings and just how everything's been cultivated. I think Ning's been here north of 100 years now. Who is in the front of this little group? Reva's in the back. I think Tonner walked in first. Yeah, I think I'm at the front. Okay. You feel something small collide with your shins and latch onto your legs. Tonner, his shoulders shudder for just a brief moment, but he looks down to see what it is. You see a small child, and they look up at you, and they scream, New wolves! 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 Welcome home! New wolves! Yes! New wolves! How do I describe this? Um, <laughs> Tonmir's mouth is a little bit open, and he's a little bit perplexed. One eyebrow is arched over the other, and then he looks back toward Pax fairly slowly and just gestures with open hands at the child. <laughs> Tonner is like, what is this? Sorry, that one's mine. And Pax scoops the kid up and like holds him upside down by the ankle so that they're face to face. Um, and the kid is loving it. Like the kid's long blonde hair is like falling wildly towards the earth. And Pax says, sorry, kiddo, just travelers, not family. And the kid says, travelers smell bad. <laughs> yeah, they do. Furious sniffs. <laughs> I agree. Oh, now your sniffer works? <laughs> <laughs> Pax puts the kid down, and you get a better look at him. He is blonde and fair-skinned, unlike Pax, and has big blue eyes and a grin that's missing some teeth. And the last thing you notice in the dim light is that on his left side, he has a massive scar along the bicep, and his arm is missing below the elbow. And he says, Okay, well, bye. <laughs> Iria waves at him. He holds up his one hand and waves at you super enthusiastically and then darts off towards a few other children that are crowded around the fire. Are the other children just generally uh, as energetic? They don't look nearly as excited. They look a little scared, and it kind of looks like this kid is coming back to like report. Like, this kid is coming back to, like, say what's up, and you hear, like, you hear the word travelers pass around, and then you see, like, you see, like, one little younger kid hiding behind the kid that you just met, looking at you with, like, really big eyes. And you see some of the, presumably, parents start, like, scooping up their kids and, like, heading away from you. As Tomer watches this, he looks down as he sees the clear abashedness and fear that is somewhat resonating through the village. 
he's trying to avoid eye contact with uh, the villagers except for the defenders that they all came in with. And he turns back toward the group and says, at this point, I don't know that rest would be unwelcome, but if you're eager to discuss, and he looks around again, not wanting to raise hopes, what we were going to discuss, perhaps we could find a place to do so. I know you're tired, but in the very least, you really should meet with the Alpha now that you're here. Wait, who, who is the Alpha? What does that mean? Pax smiles and says, the Alpha's Ning. And she's the oldest one here. She's been here longer than anyone else. She founded this pack. But you'll see for yourself in a minute. How long has she been here? At least a hundred years. Tonware quirks an eyebrow. Pretty impressive, given she's human. That is pretty impressive. And with that, Pax marches you through the camp, with the rest of the Guardians following along after you. And as they walk, they say, Well, welcome to camp. You are the only non-wolf visitors we've had as long as I've been here, besides some of the folks from Sosalia. Ephra comes a good bit with Drew, and that's about it. But if you stick close to me, no one will give you trouble. Has Have they already, like, established that Drew is a werewolf? I don't think they said that if Drew was a werewolf, but they said Drew is, like, is from the pack. Okay. So, does Drew live here? <clears throat> does Drew live here? <laughs> <laughs> we have a tight window to record area lines as your voice drops. <laughs> <laughs> Drew mostly lives with her wife in Sosalia, but she spends a good bit of time here. She's from here, after all. Uh, she's not a wolf, though. Pax marches you past a smattering of these living buildings towards a modest house that is made of those same white birch trees and vines on the very northernmost side of camp. There is a long display of knives and swords nailed above the entryway, and Pax grins toothily. Blades used against the Alpha. None of them are with their owners anymore. Go on in. Tonrad nods at a bit of uh, approval at that and walks on inside. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no need to flex. <laughs> <laughs> Reva touches like the tip of one of the blades as she walks in, just to test its sharpness. It is sharp. <laughs> <laughs> Does Reva find that out by seeing blood on her finger? <laughs> I rolled for sharpness, and it was a nineteen. <laughs> should I roll for constitution <laughs> to see if I bleed? Sure, yeah, let's do it. Oh, boy. <laughs> what a way to die, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I actually got a 16 plus 3, which is also a 19. <laughs> <laughs> you and the knife stare at each other for a long moment in a staring contest, which is super weird because it doesn't have eyes. And you have a ma- you have a thought in your mind of... That your three friends telling the queen that you were killed by a stationary blade. <laughs> and then you, 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 you touch it lightly and you're okay. You're all right. <laughs> yeah, Reva continues on into the hut. No comment. Everybody else headed in? Yep. Yeah, Gideon's quietly following behind Tonrir. Okay. As per usual. As per usual. <laughs> As per specifications. You enter into a sizable one-room home. The earth beneath your feet is grass, and you can see that the roof is just living vines braided tightly together. 
and in front of you, two figures sit, deep in conversation. There is a small, grizzled-looking woman with white hair who sits beside a lit fire. A gnarled wooden cane is propped against her knee, and two long scars trace her face, from hairline to chin, over one missing eye. The remaining eye is golden, and fixes on your party as you enter. The second figure is a much younger human woman, with long brown hair and a maroon cloak. As you walk in, you hear her say to the older woman, Just think about it. There is a distinct resemblance between them, and they appear to have been arguing. Tonry looks between the both of them, uh, and then looks back toward... Uh, did Pax follow us in? Yeah, Pax comes in behind you, uh, but the other guardians actually stay outside. Okay. Uh, upon seeing that they've been recently arguing, Tonry is going to look back toward Pax with a, are you sure, kind of expression. Pax nods, and as Pax steps in, they take a knee before this older woman. Uh, I think Iria is going to follow suit. So will Tonrare. Gideon standing. <laughs> Iria is hitting Gideon in the knee. <laughs> like a, with her elbow, like, get down. Did you see all those knives? <laughs> Swords. Reva was loitering kind of by the entryway, but when she sees Iria start hitting Gideon, she also takes a knee. Gideon looks mildly annoyed at the hitting on on her leg, and then she just sidesteps and stays standing. <laughs> okay. The older woman with the one golden eye looks at you and says, Ah, oh, Lena here was just warning me of strangers heading to camp. So, I take it you are those strangers. Tonwyr nods and says, Yes, well, we seem to be. However, Pax was well enough to escort us here to see you. My name is Tonmir Seni. He puts his hand on his chest in a low bow, even though he's on his knee. And these are my companions. Hey, I'm Iria Klaustrake. Riva gives a small wave, and she's like, I'm Riva. <laughs> Ning looks at Gideon. <laughs> Gideon looks back at her and just says, Gideon. (laughs) (laughs) She rises to her feet with the help of her cane, and she stands at a modest five feet tall. And she gives you a very small bow graciously. Wait, wait, what kind of bow? A small bow? Like she... Describe it more. (laughs) What kind of bow? Describe her bow? (laughs) Yes. She she dips gently at the waist. (laughs) And is she... Aiming that at anyone in particular? At you for... At all of us? At all of you, okay. yeah. Never mind then. Why? What are you going to do? Nothing. Uh-huh. <laughs> I always get so nervous. <laughs> you always make me so nervous. And she says, I am Ning, oldest member of the Sanguine Silvis Pack. Welcome to my home. Please make yourselves comfortable. It seems we have much to discuss. And with that, Pax stands up again. Iria follows Pax's lead, and she's going to say, thank you so much for your hospitality. Tonmer stands. Reva stands up and looks around for somewhere to sit down. (laughs) (laughs) There's cushions on the ground. There's like a series of cushions on the ground, so you can sit on them if you want. 
I think Iria sits on one. <laughs> Riva sits next to Iria. <laughs> I think Pax gives you two a nervous side eye, but Ning says, yes, they have the right idea. Get comfortable, dear. We have a lot to talk about. And with that, I think Ning sinks back into her seat. Tonra at this point is going to be disappointed. There's no rafters. <laughs> Get comfortable, you say. <laughs> He'll make a point to uh, sit nearby on the grass itself, nearby Riva and Iria, and just kind of sit uh, on one side of the hip and extend his legs out and use his arm to brace himself sitting on his elbow. Did you just describe the sexy pose? <laughs> I was going to add in like lock, lace the fingers together, but I abstained from that because yes, I wanted to describe the sexy pose. Okay. You're in the sexy pose. You, you, you say with like, there's like one knee up and like your elbow is resting on your oh, knee no. and you're like kind of the laid knee back. Isn't up. It's not the okay. paint pose. Paint me. Okay. It's not, it's not a paint me like one of your French guys. Yeah. That's exactly what I was picturing. Paint me like one of your French druids. <laughs> A French, oh, that's going to be in my head for a while. Okay. (laughs) Yes, the the legs are parallel to one another on the ground. There's no need to Tell me more about your legs. What are you wearing? (laughs) Well, as it turns out, uh, I'm wearing this fall's latest fashion. Wow. (laughs) Okay. All right. So Tonner sits down. Gideon, are you still standing? Yeah. Gideon takes a bit of a, Gideon takes more of a relaxed stance. But she's comfortable standing. So she she goes near the group, but is still standing. Okay. Pax places themselves kind of at the back of the room, standing behind you with their arms crossed. And they say, Ning, we found these four at the end of the path from Sosalia. We were speaking peacefully. But in the confusion, Iris lost control. No one was bitten. The strangers did not strike us. They helped us calm her. And Ning surveys your party carefully and says, Well, that is something, isn't it? Very strange about Iris, though. And she closes her one eye for a second, like she's thinking. Wait, she only has one eye? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, she only has one eye. And she closes it for a minute and actually rests one of her hands over it as if she's thinking really hard or perhaps seeing. And she opens her eye again and taps her chin and says, Well, thank you for helping with our Iris and for understanding that she meant no harm. What was that? (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) Reva is messing with, like, the stuff by the fireplace. Ah, Reva. The the other woman who was in there with her actually, like, stands up, gives you all a quick look, and then sees herself out. (coughs) Are you okay? Have you died? (laughs) Riva just starts chewing on the cushion. That she's <laughs> Sorry, continue. <laughs> the other woman who was in there sees herself out. And Ning actually reaches to her side and puts a kettle on, like puts a kettle over the fire and starts sprinkling herbs into the water as it boils. Eerie's going to ask, what are you making? Tea. Wolfberry, mostly. Plus a few other things. What is wolfberry? What is wolfberry? (laughs) (laughs) It's a real thing. Let's see. Wolfberry is the fruit of boxthorn in the nightshade family. And she stirs it gently and I think stirs this, this tea in silence for a little while and then reaches out and 
pours a series of cups into like modest clay cups and starts to hand them around. Tom Rear uh, will take the cup and take a brief sniff of it to see if he can discern what the other ingredients are. Roll. <laughs> like, what the hell do you roll? <laughs> I was going for knowledge nature, but. Yeah, roll, roll knowledge nature. Uh, 27. Wow. Did I have an 11 skill on my nature knowledge, so that's. Noise. It's noise. So yeah, 27. There is there is more than wolfberry in here. <laughs> I was gonna say if you want to if you want to go for describing what the well intended effects might be. Yeah. I I'm trying to think of how much of that I want to tell you. Is it really a matter of want if he rolled a twenty-seven? Well, it would be very hard to detect via smell what is in a tea. <laughs> yeah, it's like you don't know how good his nose is. That's true. I mean, I know exactly how good it is. It's 27 good. <laughs> it's like you can you can sometimes discern like chamomile and stuff like that, but more so it's like I'm guessing if it's wolfberry, it's meant for like soothing nerves as well. If it's in the nightshade tree, because it's meant as a, a relaxant, right? You smell that, you know mm. that, you know that this is a relaxing tea, but you also know that there is something else here, something that smells a little bitter, something that you can't quite place, but you suspect that there is a magical effect beyond just the relaxing effect of Wolfberry. Okay. There is something magical going on in this tea, almost as if a spell has been cast on it. Yeah. In the light of diplomacy and hospitality, uh, Tanroy will nod and take a sip of the tea. Okay. Anyone else taking tea? When Riva gets her cup, she also sniffs it, but not because she can discern anything from it. She's just sniffing it for the sake of doing so. And then she drinks it. <laughs> okay. And Ning actually hands one to Pax, and Pax instantly drinks it, downs the whole thing. And Ning pours one for herself and is sipping on it as she offers tea to you, Iria, and to Gideon. And it's all from the same, it's all from the same pot. Yeah, Gideon. Yeah, I think Ariel. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> now fight. <laughs> Gideon can go. Okay, so yeah, Gideon's going to accept a, a cup and then she's not going to sniff it, but she's going to look at the tea and kind of swirl it around. Would there be anything that she could notice? You see some like loose leaf herbs, uh, but that's all you can visually notice. And there wouldn't be any kind of way to... I know that you told us that there's a magical component because of Tonrier's sniff roll, but there wouldn't be any way for Gideon to discern magic, right? Because I was going to check Arcana, but... Yeah, roll Arcana. Roll Arcana. But how would I know to check for that? I mean, would you feel suspicious receiving tea from a stranger? Oh, well, yeah. Well, then maybe you would check. <laughs> but what... <laughs> What, I, what I'm trying to get at is, would there be anything that she would notice first that would kind of spark her to be like, huh, that seems like X, Y, or Z? Like, do I need to do a perception check first, or do I just roll Knowledge Arcana? There's a, there's a magic je ne sais quoi. There's a little sheen to this tea. Je ne sais quoi. This tea is a little, a little extra sparkly looking. This tea's a little Martin Sheeny. <laughs> oh, shit. I just got a natural one. So 29 Knowledge Arcana. There's a truth spell in this tea. <laughs> you drink this and you're not lying. Okay. So, so yeah, she's going to notice that and just kind of cup the tea in her hands and 
tilt it up towards her face, but not drink it. Sneak check. Sneak check. Oh my god, it's another natural 20. I love this dice. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Wow. Ning watches you carefully as you mock drink it, but doesn't doesn't seem to notice anything. Mm, So good, yeah. So smooth, so slick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think Iria is going to take a cup and she's going to wait until she sees Tonrir and Pax drink it and then she'll, she'll drink it. I like that she didn't take Reva drinking it as any sign of confidence. <laughs> Fair, though. Fair, though. Mm. Reva sniffed Can't blame her. her cup and was like, I think I've seen fancy folk do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Reva puts her, her pinky up and, like, swirls it in her <laughs> cup. <and then> <laughs> uh, mm, undertones of elderberry. <laughs> Reva, Tanra, and Iria roll a will-saving throw. <laughs> 15. Uh, 16 plus 8, so 22. No. Yes. No. Yes. <laughs> 22? Yes. All right. Iria? Um, Iria rolled a 1. <laughs> oh, my God. Iria, <laughs> you're telling the truth. Reva, you're telling the truth. Tonrir. So help God. You may attempt to lie, but when you attempt to lie, you have to make a will saving throw. And if you flunk it... You're going to try to talk and nothing's going to come out. Okay. You three feel a tingle behind your eyes, this this warm feeling. And it's it's not unpleasant, but you do feel something. And behind you guys, Pax says, they say they might have a cure for lycanthropy. And at that, Ning raises her eyebrows and looks at you guys pointedly. Now, we're, we're still in the trial, like, we... Like, we don't have a cure, but we know someone who's very knowledgeable and is working on one. So, well, <laughs> you you know that Vesper wants to work on one. He he can't work on one without a werewolf. But I guess if that's Eerie's understanding, then that's close enough to truth. No, uh, wait, I'll do it again. We, we have someone who's very knowledgeable who wants to work on one, but we need some help. Ning surveys you suspiciously and says... Help how? Well, we would need someone who has lycanthropy who would be willing to work with this person on creating a cure. Ning surveys you for a long time and then says, Is that the only reason you were sent here? No, no. (laughs) No. (laughs) Damn it. Ning smiles and kind of taps the side of her jaw and says, Well, we're all telling the truth now, which I'm sure for honest travelers like yourself will present no problem. So, why else are you here? Iria looks around at everyone else. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all had to fucking drink the tea, didn't ya? (laughs) It's cordial. It's all you, kids. (laughs) Drank the tea so goddamn fast, I couldn't even use my damn whisper spell. (laughs) (laughs) What to do, what to do. So is the mechanic of this that we can only speak the truth, but we're not compelled to to speak? Just like blurt out truth. (laughs) Right. You're in the movie Liar Liar. (laughs) The pen! (laughs) 
This is Trey Silvertooth, and thank you for listening to episode 32 of Bad Heroes, part 7 of the Wild Hunt arc. We have no announcements to make this week, so I'm going to keep it short and sweet with a few plugs. Have you heard of Games by B on Etsy? They make absolutely brilliant dice bags and trays, including a gorgeous rendition of our logo on a dice bag that looks rad as hell. Plus, should you choose to support this wonderful small business, you will actually be helping a friend of the show save up for top surgery. It doesn't get much more awesome than that. Check them out at GamesByB on Etsy and use the code BADHEROES, all one word, for 10% off anything in their shop. Hey, do you like sci-fi? If so, then may I introduce you to Apollyon, an awesome new sci-fi audio drama that I am in. Our pilot episode is dropping on April 21st. I play Deepa, the main character's digital personal assistant. So if you want to hear me doing my best robot impression and support some very cool artists, head on over to apollyon.observerpictures.com to support and subscribe. That is Apollyon, A-P-O-L-L-Y-O-N. Music in this episode is Labyrinth and Plague by Kai Engel and Dark Walk by Kevin McLeod, as well as our theme, Solve the Damn Mystery, by Jesse Spillane. You can find us on social media at Bad Heroes Cast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and email us at badheroescast at gmail.com. You can support us and our shenanigans by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash badheroes. Or you can help us for freezies by introducing our show to a friend or leaving us a review on Apple or Podchaser. Last but not least, we want to thank Roll20 for sponsoring us and sharing our show with their community. I think that's it. Our next episode should be out on May 7th. See you then. Creatures within the area can't speak deliberate and intentional lies. But it doesn't say we have to speak. They may avoid answering questions to which they would normally respond with a lie, or they may be evasive as long as they remain within the boundaries of truth. So we can be vague about it. Yeah, I don't think it compels truth from you. I think just if you open your mouth, you're going to tell the truth. (laughs) If they open their mouth, they're going to tell the truth. But can they be vague and stay within the boundaries of truth yeah yeah i think that's fair okay now to determine what i'm going to say (laughs) what the fuck do i know about this place about this place that you're at right now like what else what else do i know about this town and this forest fuck all (laughs) fuck all i'm trying to think of if there would they wouldn't tell us anything i'm trying to think of if there would be any no like any knowledge of this area that would prompt like i know that's kind of like against their whole thing but that would prompt like a traveler to be like i want to go visit sosalia they are known for their wheat exports yeah they are known for having wheat and that's pretty much it i do love me some wheat let's go see this wheat place (laughs) they keep a very low profile they make really good bread (laughs) their wheat and their bread gets shipped to cold on which is where most people would have it well gideon's not really that into wheat so <laughs> you're, you're like, I'm more into rye, sourdough. Um, 
Pax speaks up from the back and says, Gideon says she was bit by a vampire and then cured of vampirism. And Ning looks to you surprised. Right you are, Ken. (laughs) (laughs) And next, the weather. (laughs) No, so yeah, uh, Gideon Gideon looks up at Ning and, and just states, it's true. Ning looks to you, Tonrir, and says, can you confirm that? That was a weird voice I just did. I sounded like I was, I sounded like I was being tickled as I tried to do it. <laughs> and then we look over and Pax is tickling the... the album. <laughs> <clears throat> Can you confirm that? Tonry is Gideon's still... staring at... Go ahead. No, just I was just going to say real quick, Gideon is staring at Tonrir. <laughs> Tonrir is probably oblivious to the actual effects because he hasn't spoken yet, right? Mm-hmm. So, well, well, actually, that's not true. She straight up said, "You're all spit. You're all telling the truth now." Oh, well, we're all telling the truth now. Yeah, after we drank it, she was like, "We're all telling the truth," and I'm yeah. sure that's not a problem for you. Let me roll real quick to see if he remembered that. Let me. Oh no! The thing she just said. <laughs> like if he if he read it as. Oh, I see. Uh, like a literal sense or like, hey, we're all telling the truth here, right? Hey, we're all friends here. Like a bad cop, good cop thing. Yeah. And uh, Tonrir's swirling the the teacup. He's looking at it a bit thoughtfully. And he looks up at Ning for a second and says, yeah, she was bitten and she doesn't have the traits. And just takes another swig of the tea. Mm. I see what you did <laughs> pretty there. Pretty slick, pretty slick. Very clever. Ning drums her fingers over the arm of her chair and says, well, 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 well. <laughs> her voice is, I'm, it's really eluding me. I've never done an old lady voice before. Well, well, well. Well, nonetheless, an old lady werewolf. She says, um, well, be that as it may, if a cure is possible, then that is quite promising. But, Iria, you said there is another reason you are here. Hey, shh. Timber. I thought you were shushing Iria. <laughs> I was like, yes. hey, hey, you. That's on brand. <laughs> well, now we're back to, because no matter what, Gideon would have wanted to step in here to make sure that Iria didn't spout out some nonsense, because that was what happened um, before when Gideon was like, maybe I should jump in here. And then Iria had already gone, no, <laughs> that's not the only reason. No. <laughs> Well, th- I mean, no one has said what the reason is. You're you're welcome to invent one. No, I know, but I'm just back to the same problem yeah. I was at before. Yes. The only <laughs> thing I could come up with was curiosity, but I can't really relate the curiosity to anything because the only thing that this area is known for is wheat. It would also be very shifty that you like, well, you've already told Pax that, that Vesper helped you find them. So it definitely sounds like you guys came looking for them. And that is the only thing. I mean, it is odd that the forest is in fall and the rest of the area isn't. That's very curious. I think Ariel is thinking, like, we honestly don't know why we're here. We're on a mission for the queen, but, like, we have no idea what the queen wants. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know what the queen wants, people who are afflicted with lycanthropy and these other afflictions, but we have no idea what she's going to do, what she wants those people for. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but from Gideon's point of view, she does not want to reveal anything about the queen. Yeah. 
Conroy is going to take another swig of the tea with his right arm and down it. Does your right arm have the sign of the House of Fane on it? It does. Let me just roll perception real quick. Yeah, and Iria is wearing her earring. Hmm. And Reva's got the ring on. Gideon, your your symbol is hidden, right? Ooh, what? Yours is a pen. <laughs> yours is a pendant, and I don't think you wear it. I don't think you've ever worn it. I no, think it's I had it around. Carries it in her. Yeah, pocket. it's like in my pocket, but it's like uh, looped around some part of a belt. I assume I have. It's something that she can easily pull out to show, but it's not on display. Uh huh. I feel like Iria can be very like honest but vague in this. Yeah. Feel free. Unless anyone else has any um, ideas. I think she was asking yeah, you directly. Yeah, she, she addressed so. you, so yeah. go for it. Okay. Oh, my throat just got really weird. <clears throat> it was the tea. <laughs> must be it. <laughs> what happens to you in the game happens in real life. A lot of people don't know this, but if you die in Pathfinder, you die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wow, I've been playing it fast and loose this whole time. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think Ning was asking generally, like, okay, cool, but, like, Iria did say there was another reason, so does somebody want to explain that reason? Oh, I thought she, like, turned and looked at Iria specifically. I think anyone can answer. How did the perception... Oh, yeah, how did the perception go? Ning rolled a seven, so I don't... <laughs> I don't oh, no. think that Ning notices that you guys have the symbol of the House of Fame on you. Revo, were you going to say a thing? She was just going to kind of lean back and say, well, don't look at me. I just got here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do not ask her any questions. <laughs> <laughs> it's for your good and ours. <laughs> also, like, watch your pockets, your you know belongings. <sighs> well, we, we've been contracted by an authority, albeit... Not willingly. We never got to, like, sign anything. Um, <laughs> there was no contract. Been kind of, there was no contract, really. Uh, we've been kind of pigeonholed into this mission where we are tasked with finding someone who has been afflicted with lycanthropy and bringing them back with us. For the cure? Or for another reason? With, there's the cure. That is a, a thing that we are, we, there would be you know, one person for the cure. Oh my God, does anybody want to pick this up? <laughs> one person for the cure and... And a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> and, and another person. Gideon's going to say, well, it doesn't have to just be one person. Anybody who would like to volunteer to be part of the research for the cure is welcome. The potential for the cure is open to any and all. And that's what, that's the fate I chose for myself. You're just using that lying ability to its full potential. <laughs> Man, this lady tried to sneak me some truth tea. <laughs> <laughs> she says, um, and where exactly is this cure research taking place? Tonwer's going to look at the bottom of the now empty teacup. And when the, when the queen's was, the queen was mentioned, right? Mm -mm, no. Nobody mentioned her yet. Uh, Iria said an authority, mm -hmm. but you get the impression that Ning is catching on. Yeah. 
Connor looks a little bit disdainful as soon as the authorities mentioned. He's been lightly enjoying the conversation and the hospitality and being on the grass in this nice cultivated town that is the camp. And as soon as the authority is mentioned, he looks disdainful. And the words that follow are honest without impedance. Like, it's not impeded at all. Mm-hmm. And he says, it'd be for the queen. Ning watches you carefully through her one golden eye and says, Now, I'm sure you understand why I can't just allow you to take someone from my camp to be used for God knows what by the queen of this cursed nation. Not even the promise of a cure could make me do that. Tonmer nods and he gains a little bit of that composure back in his face. And he looks toward Ning and says, I can completely understand that. I can completely understand why you wouldn't want the queen to take something from you. Why you wouldn't want the queen to touch your home. I understand it. Very well. Tonre looks between the others and then looks back toward Ning and says, It's my hope that we can achieve this while at the same time helping you. Because what I've seen here, this, this has given me hope. And for as much as we're tasked with what the queen has given us, I want to fulfill it to its absolute minimum because I do not want to help her any more than I have to. Gideon looks a little, not annoyed, but just like a tiny bit like, I guess we're just (laughs) (laughs) dropping that whole charade. And then uh, she looks directly at Ning and says, I don't think any of us are fans of the queen here. Here you cheers to that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Reva toasts the sentiment and is like, yeah, she's a real piece of work. Reva's just like, she owes me money. <laughs> <laughs> Toner, you feel movement in your hood as Tassier pokes his head out of your hood and looks around. <laughs> I keep fucking forgetting about this thing. That's so good. I, like, intentionally don't mention that, just for the sake of this. It's so rich. (laughs) Ning swirls her tea and then finishes it and looks down at the herbs in her cup. Thank you for your honesty, though it was at least partially (laughs) my fault. I'm sorry, by the way, for not telling you, but I'd rather get the truth from you than fight. If you work for the Queen of Fire, well, then I imagine that you are working upon pain of death. And as much as I don't want to be the end of you, I can't let you take someone back to the capital. (sighs) Tonwer perks an eyebrow as if he's having a thought. What if we discover who was responsible for causing Iris to startle? Responsible? I I thought she was frightened. Someone was responsible? 
uh, Tonra turns toward Gideon and says, Yeah, seen it towards it with my own eyes. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Gideon, you sound different. <laughs> Gideon, uh, Gideon just says, I can't tell you who is responsible, but what I can tell you is that right before Iris lost her composure, there was movement in the forest behind the rest of the pack. And I believe that is what triggered her transformation. Tonmere nods and then looks back toward Ning and says, And if I were to guess, you all know these woods very well. And you would understand if somebody was in them. So if somebody was able to conceal themselves in such a way that they didn't get picked up. Ning holds up her finger and then waves her hand around. And you get the impression she's casting a spell. And then you see the faint movement like a bubble around this small house. And then she gestures for you to continue. Tonmere nods, kind of understanding what probably just transpired. And <laughs> at that, he's going to set the teacup down and stand up. He looks at Ning and says, if it was one of yours, we'll help you find them. And then we can decide what to do with them. Basically, the way that I was going to jokingly suggest we do this. <laughs> I was just going to have, uh, when I knew that Ning was going to be like, nah, you can't take one of my wolves. I was like, man, Gideon's just going to be like, so you got any bad werewolves around here? <laughs> you got anyone you don't like? You got any, like, criminals? You got any people that you just don't like the look of them? You just don't like the... <laughs> Just sort of Don't their like the energy. Cut of their jib. They bring down the vibe. Or like any villagers who want to like explore and go on different islands and want to move out. <laughs> move out <laughs> to the castle. <laughs> that's that's not quite no. <laughs> uh Tonrier, I will make an addendum after a few moments and say, You are right. That it would be under the pain of death. I would much rather die here than at her hands. So if it doesn't end up being that. So it is. Ning frowns, and she holds out her hand to you, Tonra, as if to invite you to come forward and take it. Tonra looks down at it for a moment, then looks back at Ning and takes a breath, composing himself, and gongs apparently the desk. Um, <laughs> he pulls out his mini gong and goes, bang. <laughs> um, Tonra hesitates for just a brief moment, but then steps forward toward her and takes her hand. She lifts her other hand and encloses your hand within hers. And she closes her eyes. And you feel this, this warmth moving up your hand. And you watch her smile. And she opens her one eye and says, Ah, a druid. A man after my own heart. I don't wish you ill. And I certainly don't want you to die. Stay here a while. Stay a bit and we will talk. We will find a solution to your problem. I see... I see bloodshed. And I see anger. I see trouble. I have for some time. Before you arrived, I have felt that something is wrong. But my visions do not always come to pass. 
With any luck, it was just the carnage that could have been. Let me think on this, and you think too. Why don't we all get a good night's sleep? You will be safe here. Tonray nods and takes his other hand and puts it on top of hers in reassurance and nods once more before releasing his hand from hers and says, Your hospitality is appreciated. We hope that as you're offering your canopy to protect us, that we can strengthen its roots. And he gives like a, a, a mild bow like she had earlier and takes two steps backward while still facing her. She smiles, a very, very warm smile, and then heaves a deep sigh, lost in thought, and says, Well, anything else before Pax takes you to sleep? We'll speak much more tomorrow, I'm sure. Tonray nods and says, I think rest would be welcome for all of us. And she snaps, and that sheen like a bubble around the room disappears. What was that? <laughs> Tonmer gives a knowing smile, but just looks down and waits to see what Nick will say. If what you say is true, and there may be prying ears, I would like what we say to be in confidence. Cone of silence. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Eri just says, uh, understood. In the uh, spell dictionary that is after Cone of Shame, <laughs> which we also cast <laughs> Boy, I wish I could cast Cone of Silence on the Foster Kittens when we're recording. <laughs> okay. So are we leaving? <laughs> I feel like that was Gideon saying that. I think the sort of the cumulative events of this extremely long day have finally caught up to Riva and like the adrenaline from the fight has worn off. So she's very tired. I was going to say, is she just like dead asleep on the cushion? She's, she's <laughs> dozing. <laughs> She's starting to doze a little, but but she rouses when she hears people, like, wrapping up. <laughs> ah, Reva. <laughs> this is why you have such a good grip on what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> Just wipe away the drool. Yep, it's all good. <laughs> so Pax stands ready at the door, and if you guys all get up, they lead you out. Gideon is kind of towards the end of everyone walking out and looks to Ning and sets down her full glass of tea and just says, Great cup of tea, by the way. And winks. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Ning cracks a very, very big smile and <laughs>, laughs a little bit and says, uh, I'll have to look out for you. Oh, Iria, was it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> you should speak with Solace tomorrow. I see time a bit differently than most people. And soon, I see you speaking with Solace. Well, um, okay, yeah, yeah. He's the he's the one with the the herbs and and all that. He's an alchemist. Yes, mm, I do like alchemists. Just the concept <laughs> of alchemists. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like Vesper. Vesper's pretty cool. Oh, that's fair. And as you guys leave, you know, after you guys, as you guys are like. Heading out, if you look back, you catch like one final glimpse of her face and it has fallen to something very, very serious. And she looks deep in thought. And Pax leads you out and they look very thoughtful, but they manage to like, you know, summon a smile as they as they look at you and uh, and say, well, uh, 
looks like I'm keeping an eye on you. Uh, I have a place, uh, you know, I would say four walls, but it's a circle, like a lightnings, uh, sort of a house. Uh, or I have hammocks. Uh, we can, you know, set you up something outside. It just kind of depends on how you like to sleep. Uh, but whatever we do, I'm going to have to keep an eye on you overnight. So I hope you won't be offended or bothered if I watch you sleep. I promise it's not as weird as it sounds. <laughs> Here, here, raises her eyebrows. Here he is into it. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, let's just uh, talk about how you guys settle down for the night in this camp. Tonomir is just going to find a a spot. Like, it's a a tree city. He he can sleep anywhere. So wherever the rest of the group sets up, he'll just be right nearby. Reva's going to head over to one of the hammocks, and she's going to jump in and bounce a little bit, and then... Just, she's out. <laughs> she's so tired. Nice. The hammock is, like, kind of small, but you're, I think, pretty small, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you fit in this hammock that's kind of small. Yeah, she's five foot five. I think Iria will also take a hammock. Okay. You take a hammock near Riva. Oh, I didn't say near Riva. Okay. You- <laughs> <laughs> oh, just use me. Stick burn. <laughs> Gideon. I missed the layout of the room. You guys walk near Pax's house, and if you peek inside, what you see is there is like a hammock. There's actually two hammocks strung up inside the house, one small one and one big one. And there's like a, a little fire that's not lit right now inside the house. It's it's like very simple. It's kind of similar to Ning's. It's very, um, very minimalist. Um, is there any kind of like sitting area or space on the ground outside? Oh, yeah. There's tons of space outside. There's still like that fire that's burning in the middle of camp that seems to always be lit. And then there's, of course, plenty of space. You're in the woods. There is all the space. Okay. Well, Gideon's going to find like not necessarily next to the fire because she doesn't need the light or anything, but she's just going to find a nice, quiet, seemingly clean spot outside that she can maybe sit down under a tree and meditate. Okay. Sounds good. So you guys all settle down, Gideon to meditate, Iria and Riva to sleep, Tonrir to sleep or meditate? Um, to sleep. Okay. Three of you to sleep and one of you to meditate, and you all settle down to the sounds of the forest at night. Pax actually crawls up a tree so where they can see the four of you clearly and folds their arms and simply waits while you rest. Riva, you feel a little tug on the hammock that you're in? Riva is awake in a flash and there's a knife in her hand oh no (laughs) you see you see pax's kid who who puts up his one hand in absolute terror (laughs) and says sorry it's just you're in my hammock (laughs) oh uh it's you (laughs) she just gets up she gets up yeah she gets up Okay, you you find another hammock nearby that's a little bigger, um, and Pax's kid crawls into his hammock and curls up. <laughs> Riva, as you crawl into your hammock for the night, and as you start to settle with the night sky above you, you see a twinkle, very small, that doesn't quite look like a star. And then you look more carefully, and you see that a small portal is opening beside you. Shit. 
correct response. (laughs) She says that under her breath. A letter falls out. And then just as quickly as it had come, the portal closes. Reva bends down and picks up the letter. Okay. Do you open it? Uh, yeah, she opens it. Do you open it in a way that anyone else can see or do you open it sneakily? She she turns so that her back is to the rest of the camp and she has dark vision so she can read it in the dark. Okay. What you read is a short letter etched out in very neat handwriting. And it says, Welcome back to the mortal plane, little Reva. Your debt is severely past due with interest. A century's worth of interest, to be exact. Please make your next payment accordingly. Or don't. Your funeral. Either way, see you soon. And it's signed, Blink. Reva reads this letter a couple of times. And then she very slowly walks to the big campfire that's burning in the middle of camp. And she extends her arm and drops the letter into the fire and watches it burn into ashes. <laughs> 